Welcome to Study the Word Podcast with your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Together we will discover wisdom that leads to salvation and spiritual growth. Here with today's Bible teaching is your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Well, once again, thank you, Randy, and welcome to Study the Word Podcast. If you have your Bibles, wherever you may be, open them to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. That's Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And again, thank you for joining with us here on Study the Word Podcast. We have been in a series, and the series has been simply called the Hope of Heaven series. And uh, so far in the series, we've really keyed on one word, four letters, one word, the word hope. And in this series, what my desire has been is to present to you really a biblical presentation of the gospel and helping you so that you may help others understand really that God is a God of hope. And when we talk about God offering men hope, we're talking about the fact that God has sent, he has given his son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, uh, to be the payment, the ransom that we need uh, in order for us to truly live for all eternity with God. And um, what I've been trying to stress here is that if you use this one word, four letters, hope, and you break down each letter and you begin to think about it as we went through this series, you should be able to sit down with anyone and begin to share the biblical gospel, the true unadulterated gospel with someone, whether it be a family member, a friend, a co-worker, whoever it may be. And that has been my goal And I hope that that has been attained for those of you who've been listening. We've talked about the age, and we've talked about that the holy God, uh, he resides in heaven. He is holy. Uh, That place where he is at is holy. Uh, God being holy, he is without darkness. He's without sin. He is pure. Uh, There is nothing that is wrong or bad with God nothing that is evil or dark with God. God is pure. God is holy. Uh, He's righteous. Uh, He is God, and we're not. He is our creator, and we are his creation. So this holy God, the God who has created all things, dwells in a holy place. Matter of fact, we've already mentioned in Psalms 11.4 that the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. And we've talked about 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, that because God is holy, he desires us to be holy. Uh, and it's more than even a desire, it's a command. We are to be holy because he is holy. Then we talked about the O, that God offers his grace. And his grace is really his unmerited favor. And he offers it to sinful men because all men are sinners. And we've talked about the scripture, but Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we've also read Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We talked about many other scriptures. We really got into detail. And again, I, I would really hope that many of you, as you hear these scriptures being read, that you have written them down because they'll be helpful to you uh, to look at and to, to really get a grasp of them, memorize them, so that you're able to share them with uh, individuals. But we would call that in the gospel presentation the bad news. The, the good news is about God. It is who God is and what he's done. But the bad news in this midst of the good news is about mankind. It's about the fall in the garden. 
when Adam sinned against God by being disobedient and he ate of the fruit of the tree that he was not to eat of, and then God told him he would die. He warned him ahead of time. But uh, this aspect of God offering his grace to sinful men is so important because in the midst of that, we talk about the reality that by offering his grace, men can find forgiveness, forgiveness of all their sins of the past, the present, the future, that they're no longer under condemnation. They're no longer guilty. Uh, They truly can be, and that brings us to the P, they can find and have peace with God. And this peace with God is reconciliation. And we are reconciled by being justified by faith. When we put our faith, our trust in God's only begotten Son, Jesus the Christ, we truly have peace with God. That's what the Scripture tells us in Romans 5.1. And uh, the faith is a gift from God. Um, Not all men have faith. You're not born with faith. It is a gift that is given to us by God. The work of salvation begins and it ends with God. Matter of fact, today, as I was uh, doing my own personal study in the book of Philippians, I'll just share this with you for just a moment. I I had taken the time and shared this with my wife because, to me, it's just so powerful when you begin to realize what God has done for us. Sometimes we really don't quite understand or we don't take the time to slow down and to really dwell and think upon what God has done. But Paul writes to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 1. He says in verse 6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. My point is simply this. It's God who's the God of salvation. Faith begins with God. The gospel begins with God. God's love begins with he loved the world. He gave. He demonstrated that love by giving his only begotten son. But salvation begins with God, and it continues in our sanctification, in our walk with God as the person, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is at work within us. So as we've been talking about this word hope, we've been talking about the H, the O, the P, and again, you know, we now, if you truly have put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone, you can have peace with God. Because all men are enemies of God. Uh, they, they don't love God. They don't want God. They don't serve God. They're not obedient to Him. But it brings us to the last point in place. And again, I'm doing this very quickly, just kind of a, just looking back over some of the stuff we've talked about. But it brings us to the letter E uh, in this word hope. And when we think about what God promises us, He not only promises us peace with Him, which is reconciliation, but He promises us eternal life with himself. We would call this life beyond the grave. And so many people don't quite get this. And I just, I've been blessed recently at the place in which I'm employed at this present time. I've been able to talk to some of my coworkers in depth about this whole issue of death. And you know, I've said this before, a lot of people don't want to talk about death, but yet we all know that we're going to die. Around us, we have people who died. Not too long ago, I had a dear friend uh, who unexpectedly, uh, starting his day off, was hit head-on by someone who fell asleep at the wheel. And it was a very frightening, uh, I mean, just a horrifying, he died instantaneously on that road. And he was just uh, recently talking about his life. He's getting ready to retire. 
and he was going to he's made plans to spend time with his wife and do things with his children and he was so excited I, I saw him in a restaurant and um, I just thought to myself less than a week after I had spoken to him he's went into eternity um, we read stories all the time uh, we have loved ones we have people that we know uh, those around us that, that we care about, those who we work with, sometimes our neighbors, when it comes down to death, that death is going to affect everyone um, because all men are going to die. And this is a very difficult and a challenging thing for all of us because when death comes knocking, or you just heard it just a moment ago, when death comes ringing, <laughs> you, you'll realize it, it, it's, it's something you can't stop. I just heard a great message not too long ago uh, by Dr. John MacArthur uh, from Grace Community Church in California, and he just mentioned the fact that when it comes to death, we're not in charge of death. We're not in charge of when it happens, where it happens, should say also how it happens. So when it comes to the time, the the when, you know, uh, even the where, but also the how, we're not in control of that, and God is. And um, so we must realize that eternity is going to be faced by all men. But this is where the E is so important in the letter hope, because God promises us eternal life with him, and that is life beyond the grave. And the opposite of death is life. We are saved from the wrath of God, which is death, hell, that place where the, the punishment of God uh, is ongoing. Uh, we realize from studying the scriptures uh, time and time again the picture that has been painted by God as a place of agony and suffering, a place of torment, a place where those who are not believers, those who have rejected God's grace and ultimately have rejected his son, Jesus Christ, that's where they're going to be. But we are saved from that wrath. We are saved from that penalty, that condemnation by God, for God, through his Son, Jesus the Christ. And if you have your Bibles, we'll find some scripture here that will help us uh, to better understand the importance of this. And again, for many of you out there listening, you may already know this, but it's good to, again, be refreshed on this, and it will help you as you begin to share the gospel message with other people. But we know that when we look at Matthew chapter 1, in Matthew chapter 1, we know that uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he told Joseph not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife, because that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is verse 20 of chapter 1. It's obvious that Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant. And obviously he did not know Mary yet. They, they had not been officially married yet. They were in this engagement period. But uh, they, this period was a time of being committed to one another uh, and demonstration of that. And here she is found to be pregnant, found to be with child. You can only imagine what Joseph was going through. And Joseph, being a righteous man, according to the Scriptures, he was going to put Mary away quietly. But listen to verse 21, and here's the key as we study today together. And she will bear a son, the angel tells Joseph in a dream, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. 
He is the one who's going to save his people. Now, his people here would be, first and foremost, the Jewish people, that he himself was a Jew, but it also would be God's elect, God's people, God's chosen, those who would be adopted as the sons and the daughters of God, those who are not only Jewish but also Gentiles. Uh, and really, those are the only two groups of people that, as we study God's holy word, we really understand, just like there are those who are believers and those who are non-believers. But it says here that the angel said to Joseph, he will save his people from their sins. See, this is the issue going back to God offering his grace and God promising peace with God. Because of being a sinner, we are enemies of God. We are separated from God. And if you remember back when we were doing the study, it tells us in Romans chapter 5, I I use this passage quite often when I'm sharing with people and when I'm thinking about sharing the gospel, because there's so much to this. It says in Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 6, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and then while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life." Now, the reason why I use this passage so often is because it paints a picture. And the picture that it paints is of man, a man, a woman, a human being without Jesus Christ. Uh, They're helpless. They can't help themselves. They're unable in any way to save themselves. And that's why Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 is so important. Um, He who will save his people from their sins— It is God who does the saving through his son, Jesus Christ. It is Christ who dies, who sheds his blood, who pays the payment, the ransom price. He is the one who uh, God the Father has sent, and he is the one who has come willingly and took upon himself the flesh of man. He became the ultimate sacrifice, the one without a blemish, without sin, because he truly is the God-man fully God and fully man. But as we look at this, man is helpless. Man is ungodly. Um, Man is not righteous. Man is not good, because it tells us earlier in Romans chapter 3, there's no such person. There's no one who does good. There's no one who's even righteous. But it says that God demonstrates his own love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, and a sinner is a person who misses the mark, So you have the helpless person, you have the ungodly or the wicked, evil person who's against God. You you have the sinner who misses the mark. And what is God's mark? God's mark is perfection. God is holy. That's why he demands us to be holy. But it says here, much more than having now been justified by his blood. See, the only way we can be justified or declared righteous is by the work that Jesus did upon the cross that Jesus himself did even in the life in which he lived as he walked in complete obedience to God, not as the first Adam did, who was disobeying God and did what God told him not to do. But it goes on to say, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Once again, the focus is each, each picture, each time God paints this picture here in these verses, he shows 
Uh, the vileness, the wickedness, the evil. He shows the darkness of man. And he also shows us that the answer, the contrast is the answer is Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. For while we were enemies, see, we, we were not friends of God. We were enemies of God. We were against God, the things of God. And it says next, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So the focus here really is eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. And the bottom line is we have that life because of what God has done for us. Um, And we have to remember that Christ himself is the one who paid the penalty, the price. He did what he could only do because man couldn't do it. And so we escape the eternal penalty of death, God's wrath and hell, by believing and trusting in his son, Jesus Christ, by faith. We put our faith in him, which again, that faith is a gift from God, and we are trusting in Jesus. Now, there's other passages of Scripture that I think are just important uh, that we want to look at also, too. So if you have your Bibles, look with me at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, if you look with me, please, at uh, verse 46, Matthew 25, 46. And he makes it clear um, that, and, and I will uh, go up a little bit further here, but in this passage of Matthew ch- chapter 25, he talks about the sheep and the goats. Um, he talks about those who did things uh, for God and his kingdom and those who did not. And there is a defined contrast between the two here. And those who truly did for Christ and his kingdom will experience the blessing of being with the king for all eternity. But in verse 46, as we read, in, we could read in the verses beforehand, there are those who did not. Um, they are the ones who did not serve God, did not... Um, do things for God in his kingdom because they truly did not belong to him. They didn't, first of all, put their faith, their trust in his son. And the the evidence is the life that they live. They don't bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit because they don't have the Holy Spirit within them. But the bottom line is simply this. At the very end, it says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So there is a, a, a very sharp contrast and difference. There are those who go into eternal punishment, and there are those who go into eternal life. And we want to make sure that we understand this, because when we are presenting the gospel to people, what we are doing is we are demonstrating to people that God promises those who put their faith, their trust in his son Jesus Christ for their salvation they will have eternal life. Uh, they will spend all eternity with God. So life beyond the grave becomes that of being in bliss and joy and peace and comfort. No more pain and sorrow. Uh, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Uh, we could go on and on. We are going to be in a place of great joy. And there's going to be great celebration as we are there together as brothers and sisters in Christ, serving and worshiping our King Jesus. We also know from Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it tells us, There is therefore now 
no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we're no longer condemned. We're no longer standing guilty before God. Um, We have been set free. We have been forgiven. Uh, We are no longer underneath that penalty of death and uh, the wrath of God. Why? Because we have truly placed our faith, our trust in his Son, Jesus Christ, and him alone for our salvation. Uh, John chapter 5, verse 24. Here's another passage. John chapter 5, verse 24. Listen to these words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Let me read that again. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. See, the the reason why this is so important, I'll tell you folks, is because as you begin to share the gospel, as you yourself as a believer who have put your faith and trust in Christ, in this world we go through great uh, times of difficulties. We have tribulation, Jesus said, be of good cheer for I've overcome this world. But I really find it challenging because so many people that I meet, they have no hope. If we go back to the very beginning of this series, why this has been such a burden on my heart is because I realize more than ever before the amount of people around me. The issue is that people have no hope. They have no hope. And when we look at hope, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, we tend to look at things uh, very from a temporal position. We want things to change because we, we are facing things right now. But in the bigger picture of things, as I've already mentioned, we're all going to face death. And people after a people that I meet have varied views about what's going to happen uh, with life beyond the grave, even if there is life. Some would say there's not. But what I find is even in those who declare that there's no life beyond the grave, there really is no hope. I mean, this world is all they got. They come to a point in place and they're going to do and and give and and try to get as much as they can out of this world because they don't see anything beyond. And then there are those who do see beyond this world and and believe that there is life beyond the grave. But at the same time, they don't know what to expect. As we've talked about this before, they are trying to, in some way, shape, or form, earn their way. They they are striving by their own righteousness. Well, they, they don't have righteousness. They can't make themselves right with God. Uh, They can't please God. Uh, They can't gain points with God. Um, They are truly enemies of God. Uh, They are by nature, as we've read in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, they are children of wrath by nature. And so we see the grace of God. God provides the answer. He provides the mean. He provides the way. And why these verses are so important, again, getting back to the point here, is simply that people need to know that there is hope. There is hope beyond this world in which we live. Because again, some people go through this world and they have nothing but pain and sorrow, suffering, difficulty, challenges beyond belief. But at the same time, we know we're all going to die. But the real hope is found, the eternal life is found through God's only begotten Son, 
Jesus Christ. A matter of fact, you're familiar with this passage, but I want to read it to you. In John chapter 3, listen to these words in verses 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's a promise. You're not going to perish. You are going to have eternal life if you believe, if you place your faith, your trust in him and him alone for your salvation. For God did not send a son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I had this conversation just the other day with with uh, a lady at work and um, one of my co-workers, and I told her she firmly was convinced that when you die, you go and you stand before like a courtroom, and God is going to judge you. He is going to kind of put the balance scale up there and kind of weigh things out and see whether or not you're worthy to come into heaven. And I told her that that's not true. That if you're not a believer, if you've not put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ before you leave this world, you're judged already because you did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's what it tells us here uh, in verse 18 of John chapter 3. The judgment has already taken place, so you leave this world when you give your last breath, when you beat your last heartbeat, when your spirit uh, departs, you find yourself in eternity separated from God. And those individuals are going to experience the wrath of God. But the key is they don't have to perish. They don't have to experience the wrath of God because what they have to do is they have to truly put their faith, their trust in his son, Jesus Christ, for their salvation. Let me give you some more scripture. John 3.36, he who believes in the son has eternal life. But he who does not believe the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Jesus in John 14.6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father but through me. And we could talk about this verse for a long period of time, but there is no other way. Um, All roads do not lead to heaven, as some have said publicly. Uh, And many people believe that's why we have so many different religions in our world and belief systems, but they all end at the same place. No, Jesus said very distinctively and clearly, because he could, because he knew he was truly the way, the only way. He was the truth. He was the life. And he was the entrance. And there is no other way to get to God the Father in heaven but through his Son, Jesus Christ. Um, Think of Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, the gospel presentation by Paul to those at Corinth, which he already preached to them once before, but he reminds them, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel message which I preached to you, which you also received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance that I, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, 
and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. There you have the presentation of the gospel. And, and again, maybe in another podcast, one of these days, we'll take the time and really go through that and just look at uh, all the key points in a gospel presentation. But you see it right there. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, our hope, our living hope, he's alive. Even though Christ died for our sins and he was buried, he also on the third day was raised again to life. And this is the key. This is where we we must understand that when we're talking about the gospel presentation, we're talking about not just talking about Christ's death, but on the third day he rose. He conquered death. He conquered the penalty uh, that was placed upon mankind. Um, He, as the second Adam, went forward as the propitiation. Uh, He paid the ransom in full. He conquered uh, that which was the guilt upon man, so that as men believe by faith, put their trust in him, they will have eternal life. They won't come underneath this condemnation. He is our living hope. And, and I want you to know this real quickly because I think it's important. God desires, he really truly desires men to be saved. And I don't think sometimes people understand that fully. But, but I, I want to share a passage of Scripture that will help you here. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23. Here's what God says. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God? Rather than that he should turn from his ways and live. Now, if you go back over to verse 32, at the end of the chapter of 18, it says, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, repent and live. See, that's why Jesus, when he began his um, ministry, the Bible tells us in the book of Mark, in Mark chapter 1, and, and I, I'm kind of surprised that some people so quickly just just move past this, and they go into all the miracles and the things that he did, but in, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 1, I'll start with verse 14, and after John, this is John the Baptist, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That word believe means to put your trust in the gospel. Well, we've learned from this study that we've been a part of here uh, on Study the Word podcast that Jesus is the gospel. I think of other passages of Scripture, like, for instance, uh, the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. That's why Jesus came. He came into this world to save sinners. And chapter 2, starting with verse 1, listen to these words. First of all, then I urge the, the entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings being made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that 
we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. See, there is a desire, there is a longing within God. Um, He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked people. And we are all wicked, we're all evil. I mean, the truth of the matter is, if it was not for God and his grace and the work that he does, um, the truth of the matter is no one would be saved. All would be separated from God in his presence from all eternity. Listen to these words in John chapter 6, verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Uh, Everyone who beholds the Son, everyone who not only saw his Son at that point in time, but has been presented with the gospel, who has been presented with the true biblical Jesus, beholds the Son, but they have to believe in him. You, You could be presented the evidence. You could be presented the facts. You can share with people, but they have to believe. And believing in Jesus Christ is a work of God. It's a work of God. And that's why I've told people for many, many years that we, as we go forward each and every day, whether it be in our workplace, whether it be in our neighborhood, within our family, we must be a men and women of prayer. We must be asking God to truly save, to do a work that only God can do in the lives of these individuals in which we share the gospel. Uh, The God who takes the heart of stone and gives them a heart of flesh. The God who takes the dead man and raises him to life by putting his spirit within them. Uh, I could go on and on. I get so excited about it, but I realize it's the work of God. We must be men and women who pray and and cry out to God to save the people in which uh, are placed before us, the people that we love, the people we know, even total strangers, having a desire and a longing that God and God alone would save them. And as we've learned already here, he desires men to be saved, and not only to behold his son, but to believe in his son. There is what the issue is, and that is what we need to be praying about and trusting God to do as we do our part in sharing the gospel message and presenting the truth with these people all around us. Now, this promise of eternal life is just that. It's a promise, and I I'm going to, um, you know, as we draw close to the closing of today's podcast, I want to remind you that these are promises of God, a God who cannot lie. And I have made this comment many times to people as I share. I serve a God who doesn't lie. I serve a God who can be trusted. And because God said it, it is true. I think of the words of Job. Job said, if a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. That's Job 14, 14. Um, Job knew that there would come a time. And, you know, even though he asked the hard question, he realized that he was going to live again. His renewal was coming. I think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's resurrection is the first fruit of our promise of our own resurrection and to live eternally with God. 
a matter of fact, a couple quick verses here for us to just to look at and and to ponder on. But Acts chapter 26, Acts chapter 26, verse 8, it says here, Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? Now, the, the reason why I share that with you is because Paul is before King Agrippa, and he has given his defense here. And, and he's really asking the question, why are people so astonished that I am presenting a gospel message? A gospel message that talks about the resurrection of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Why is it so incredible to you if God does raise the dead? I mean, shouldn't we just expect the God who is the God of of creation, the God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, the God um, who um, is all in all? I mean, the truth of the matter is nothing exists without God. Uh, God we see through the revelation, general revelation, the, the, the beauty, the power, uh, the majesty of our God. I, I could go on and on. Should we be shocked? Should we be surprised, Paul was saying, if God does raise the dead? Because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Uh, there were those among them that, that thought that this was foolish teaching, and many mocked Paul about this. And we know that Paul even dealt with this issue in the church at Corinth. Because there were those who denied the resurrection. And you find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul goes into a great dissertation about the resurrection of the dead. And the bottom line is, if Christ had not truly been resurrected from the dead, then we have no hope. Uh, Our faith is in vain. Uh, We are foolish people. And if you study uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15... And, um, and you begin, we'll say, uh, probably right around, I just want to give this to you so you can look at it more closely, begin with verse 12 and go right down through, you'll begin to see how much emphasis Paul puts upon this because of the reality. Uh, the reality is Christ has been raised from the grave. He has been raised from the dead. He was in the grave, and on the third day he rose again. Uh, we think about when Jesus raised Lazarus. He had been in the in the in the tomb for four days, and uh, we know that uh, there was a concern about his stench. There was a concern about you know uh, the reality could this take place? And and Jesus, as he cried out to his father, he did so for those who were there to hear, so they would know that the truthly, truly, that God is the one who does raise the dead. And Jesus also brought back to life others, too. But the truth of the matter is, he is our first fruit of our, our own promise. And as you study 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 23, you'll get a better understanding of this. And uh, I would encourage you to do so as you have time. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, But of the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who indwells in you. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 30. John chapter 6, verse 30. And again, some may say, boy, you give an awful lot of verses. Well, I just want you to get a good, wholesome understanding of all the Scripture, the, the evidence that is provided and the promises that are given to us by God. But in John chapter 6, verse 30, it says, They said therefore to him, What then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? 
what work do you perform? Now, you know, they, they wanted some type of um, tangible evidence. And if he could demonstrate the tangible evidence, then they would believe in him. But the truth of the matter is, we know that if you study chapter 6 and go through, you begin to realize that Jesus makes it clear that there is coming a time when they will recognize who he is. And how they will recognize who he is is when he is truly high and lifted up. When he is put to death upon that cross, and then he is placed in the grave because on the third day the grave is going to be found empty. He is no longer going to be in the grave. He will truly ascend back to his Father, and he'll reign forevermore in his kingdom upon the throne. And you know as well as I do that um, at times it was confusing to the disciples. They, they lacked the faith to believe and to understand, and Jesus actually had to give them that illumination, that understanding about certain things. Um, after he had left, they had the Holy Spirit indwelling within them on the day of Pentecost and beyond. But uh, they at times did not understand things. Uh, they tried to fleshly understand things and not spiritually. They, they weren't grasping. But the truth of the matter, Jesus said, the evidence is going to be, when I'm lifted up, you're going to know who I am. And, and, and that's not just on the cross of what took place the day that he was on the cross, uh, but also when they put him in the, the grave, again, the grave is going to be found empty. And it's going to fulfill prophecy. And he is going to be seen by others. Uh, and he was over a period of about 40 days. And uh, we know that those who saw him would testify and continue the work, and they would even do greater things than he had done as far as the number of people that would be reached with the gospel message and the fruit that they themselves would see take place of all the lives of people who would believe, who would put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for their salvation. See, when we begin to look at all this, i got to be honest with you, that's why this whole entire series, to me, becomes so important. Because it is an issue about hope. You know, it tells us in Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. You know, again, as I've been having this conversation with those uh, within my workplace, I began to realize, you know, the reality that I've held to for a long time. We have to believe by faith. Faith is a gift from God. You know, no one has pictures, photographs of Jesus. We don't have videos of him in heaven in his kingdom. Um, Some claim that they've been there and back, which I once again would challenge based upon the word of God. But beyond that, the truth of the matter is we must be men and women of faith. We must believe and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. I, I think of the words of Jesus, and I've used this quite often because I want people to understand that that truly is what our hope is about. We are believing. We are hoping in what we do not see. 
We have not seen Jesus. We have not seen his kingdom. We have not seen the heavenly realm. We've not been there ourselves. But we believe by faith that it exists, that he exists, that he is the rewarder of those who seek after him. You know, remember that story about doubting Thomas, one of the 12 who was called Didymus, who was not with them the time that Jesus came and And he said, unless I see his hands and the imprints of the nails and put my finger in the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, after eight days, the Bible tells us in John chapter 20, his disciples again were inside and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, the doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, reach your finger and see my hands. Reach here your hand and put it into my side. And be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Now listen to these words. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. And the Bible here in John, John tells us the reason that he writes. He writes these things that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that believing they may have life in his name. That's why so often I recommend people to read the book of John, even when they become a brand new believer, uh, to once again just strengthen themselves spiritually and understand uh, who Jesus is and what he's all about. But as I share the gospel, I I challenge people to read the book of John. I I do my best to share passages of Scripture within John, and I use other places in the Bible too, don't get me wrong, But John specifically says that all of these things have been written in this book so that people may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, and that believing they will have life in his name. They will have eternal life, the E and the letter hope. You know, it tells us in 1 John 5, verses 12 through 13, he who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. Once again, John's the writer here, but in 1 John, John is saying, listen, the reason I'm writing these things is because you say you have believed, you've put your faith, you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, you believe that he is the Christ, he is the Son of God, and I want you to know, I want you to have that assurance I want you to have that intimacy, that understanding that would bring joy, comfort, and peace, knowing that you truly, because you placed your faith, you're trusting him, you have eternal life. So when you do die, you're going to see him face to face. You're going to go to his kingdom. You're going to be where your brothers and sisters who went before you are. So, you know, the big question as we close this podcast is simply this. Do you have this hope of heaven? Are you sure the people around you that you know, do they have this hope of heaven? And see, that's where this becomes really, really, be honest with you, very personal. Personal to the point where you, you, you have to ask yourself the tough questions because, again, if you are one who claims to be a Christian, then you're going to have to say, have I really put my trust, my faith, my hope in Christ? Or am I placing my faith and my trust in myself? Maybe in the church, maybe in other people. 
Maybe you're trying to gain, you're trying to earn, you're trying to somehow find your way into heaven. And I hope and pray that through this series called The Hope of Heaven, you realize that there is no other way. That truly the holy God of heaven has offered his grace to you, a sinner. And by offering his grace, he promises that you can have peace with him. You can be reconciled with God, and you can also have eternal life with him, life beyond the grave. And all this takes place by placing your faith, your trust in his son, Jesus Christ. But even before that, what you must do is repent. You must have a change of mind. As I've mentioned before in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12, there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it leads to death. Of all that you've heard in this series, my prayer is that you understand it's not your way. It's not by your means. It's not by the methods and the means of other men or uh, religious establishments or whatever it may be in the, what you have believed. You need to repent. You need to change your mind, your way of thinking, and you must turn to God. You must understand that what has been shared with you during this series has been God's truth, his words. He's the one who says, this is how a man will be saved. This is what must take place. And that's why Jesus began his ministry by preaching, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent, change the way you think, change your mind, turn to the truth, to me, and believe in me, and I will give you eternal life. You'll be with me forever. And there's so many passages in the book of John, chapter 11, and so many other places and passages I've already used today during this podcast that just demonstrates this reality. So the question is, do you have this hope of heaven? You know, I, I really believe down deep inside that it's not an issue of praying a prayer that will ever save you. I, I don't believe that it's going to any type of an altar uh, that some have deemed in churches and buildings. And I could get into that deeply of why that's not true, but it is truly repenting and believing in the gospel, believing in Jesus Christ. But you have to truly acknowledge that, first of all, God is holy, you're not. And that you need his compassion. You need his forgiveness. You need his grace to be poured out to you, which he has through his son, Jesus Christ, and that he did die for our sins. According to the scriptures, it was prophesied. The first presentation of this truth was found in the book of Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve had sinned against God. And that on the third day after he was buried, he was raised again to life, according to the scriptures. All the prophets who spoke, who spoke of things they did not quite understand to the point because they had not seen Jesus face to face, yet they spoke on behalf of God. They presented the gospel message. They believed themselves by faith. They proclaimed to a world around them that there was only one way, only one way. And they placed their hope, they placed their trust by faith in God's only begotten Son. The gospel message preached to Abraham, all of the great saints of old, all those that we read about, the men and women of God, placed their faith, their trust in God, in the Messiah that they had not yet met and seen face to face. 
They knew that God would, and that only God could, truly save mankind from his own wrath. And, and this is what we need to understand and acknowledge. And we need to begin to go forward. And as we go forward, if you already are a believer, we need to take this gospel message of hope to a world that's lost. We need to help people truly prepare for eternity. Because all they need is hope. They need to understand that this holy God of heaven offers his grace to sinful men. And his grace promises peace with God himself, the reconciliation that they need, and also promises eternal life with God beyond the grave. The grave is not the end all. This world is not the end all. But it is eternity, either with or without God. And so I hope that this series has truly challenged you. I hope it it has encouraged you. I I hope it has comforted you, but I truly hope and pray that you would take what you've learned and use it to tell other people about the hope of heaven, because the hope of heaven is a person, and his name is our Lord, our Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. Thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast with Bible teacher Dr. Marty Minto. If you have questions in regards to today's study or any questions about the Bible and or spiritual issues, then email us at studythewordpodcast at gmail.com. We hope through today's teaching you have learned biblical truth so that you can teach others and defend the Christian faith. Tell others about Study the Word Podcast available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. Once again, thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast with Dr. Marty Mento.